0: that time Sports Daily getting
2: all the inside information on the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go now to the voice of KU Brian Haney and welcome
3: in and we welcome in our buddy Brian Haney voice of the Kansas Jayhawks and when it comes to football Brian there hadn't been a better time to be the voice of the Jayhawks since you've been the voice of the Jayhawks. How does this feel?
2: Yeah, It's a completely different energy. It's been incredible, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Completely different feel, different energy. I mean, to be real with you, my first couple of years, there were games like going down to Baylor, for example, where you knew we were going to be blown out. And I would huddle up my guys at halftime, my guys being a broadcast team down 42 to nothing, and say, okay, we have to make this entertaining and engaging and like good radio, even though it's not going to be a good game. Because my, my broadcast mentor, Tom Hedrick, always said, the game can be bad, but you can't be. And so there were certain weeks where, like that, that story from Waco, where we were there at halftime, like, all right, Josh, this is Josh Klingler, the the KU parent section, in section 234, we got 50 red, red and blue jerseys over there in the parent section. You go interview somebody from there. David, tell me about the freshmen that are up and coming on this team. We'll talk about them in the third quarter. And we were having to, to kind of map out you know, how to make it, on radio, because you know the product on the field was was still struggling, and that was when they were in the midst of scholarship purgatory and, and couldn't get the numbers balanced, and there was a lot going on, and so you know there were certainly reasons why it took as long as it took to get Kansas back to being competitive every week. But I give you that perspective to say that. You know, you're right. In the in the seven years that I've been back now as voice of the Jayhawks, we've never had excitement like this. And just knowing heading into any given week that you could have a, a win to call and, and be in a fourth quarter where there's compelling action with the game on the line, it's a pretty foreign feeling to what we've been used to the last decade. But certainly the history of Kansas football is there. You just have to go back a ways and uh we're excited that there's, you know, definitely some similar vibes to what Mangino was building in 2003 in his second season. And my broadcast partner, David Lawrence, keeps comparing it to 0708 because Jalen Daniels is so comparable to Todd Reesing. And that's not to say that Kansas is going to rip off, you know, 12 wins this season and, and, and win a DCS bowl game or a new year's day bowl game as it may be it it is to say that you know that they could really do something special with a once in a decade type quarterback if he stays healthy and keeps ascending and so that's where david's comparison comes from but yes to answer your original question jacob as you can tell it's been a night and day different feeling getting to call these games and I mean, again, just to be real with you, we've been scoring eight touchdowns a week. Last week it was, I think, seven TDs and two field goals or six TDs and two field goals, whatever it was. I mean, we, we had you know, stretches of three or four weeks without eight total touchdowns in those early years. And so it's definitely been an absolute blast. And uh, while 53 points per game may not be sustainable once we get into the back half of our schedule, with this creative play calling from Andy Kotelnicki and, and this special quarterback and the talented pieces around him, I, I do think you know that they're going to have fireworks throughout the season. I do think they're going to be competitive in every game, and that certainly makes for really compelling broadcasts here on KFH, where we're not having to decide at halftime what the second half stories are going to be to keep you tuned in. The action speaks for itself.
1: Brian, I've been really looking forward to to talking to you since Saturday, and and just getting your take on the game against Houston, and and you mentioned Jalen Daniels and and what he's been able to do. He's a, a special quarterback, and you know he's one piece of the the overall program. But just what he's doing through the air on the ground, you know, he's getting some early Heisman looks, which is something that I, I can't believe that we were talking about, not to, to knock him at all, but just that's not something in, in a sentence we would usually talk about with somebody from Kansas being in the, the early Heisman conversation. What's it been like for you to, to be at these games, to call the action, how explosive, dynamic uh, and, and that kind of player that he is? What, the, what, what has that been like for you and what are you seeing from him?
2: Well, Tommy, it's it's as exciting as Reising without the all Big Twelve Caliber greatest, you know, top five receivers of all time at Kansas Caliber pass catchers. Reising made it so exciting because, you know, he was a little guy back there bouncing off in Domakinsu, being twirled around and chucking at sixty yards downfield and Kerry Meyer and Desmond Briscoe who shattered every record you could break as a receiver at Kansas. Uh, you know, they were the ones hauling in the passes, Derek fine who went on to play for the Buffalo bills. You know, he was a great pass catcher. This team is doing it differently. And Jalen Daniels does it differently than Todd did, but it's, it's on that excitement level, quite frankly. And, and the difference is uh, while he's got a cannon of an arm and, and could chuck it 60 downfield, he clearly doesn't have, you know, the, the receiving options that Reesing had, I mean, Briscoe, went on to play with the Bucs. Kerry Meyer was in the NFL as well, um, Atlanta Falcons. So he's got tight ends and running backs. And, and a couple capable receivers, don't get me wrong, just not the prolific ones that Reefing had. And so what Andy Kotelnicki has done is he's devised an offense that has a lot of QB option, that has, as we talked about last week, you know, multiple sets of multiple backs in the backfield where you really don't know where the ball's going to go. Sometimes three backs in a triangle around Jalen. But what makes Jalen special is, and this is not you know, my amateur eyes seeing this and saying this, this comes straight from the coaches. Jalen Daniels has the vision of you know, a, a prolific collegiate running back with the arm of a, of a top end collegiate quarterback. And so when they get him to the edge and he's deciding, do I pitch or keep? Do I call my own number or do I get rid of it? He's got... Excellent, excellent vision that, that guys just don't typically have, where he, he can see it two cuts away and he can find that seam to slip through and, and he's off to the races from there. And so, you know, we watched him kind of have that breakout performance in Morgantown in which he had 85 rushing yards, and, and we thought, okay, well, maybe this could be a real thing with him as a, a dual threat guy on a regular basis with 10-plus carries a game. Then he comes back the next week, 12 carries, 123 yards, Two touchdowns and the touchdowns, one in particular, you know, he, he had to get low and, and kind of dart and, and duck his way around a guy and then explode from there. You know, he's not as fast as Jason Bean, but his vision is truly elite. And and, and so while Jason might sprint to the edge as fast as any K quarterback I've ever seen, Jalen can still get there fast, but he can make a miss and he can go to the right spot and put the ball in the right spot from there. And so um, it, it looks different than what Todd did. But it's every bit as exciting because it's honestly every bit as explosive. Like, you really could score on any given play. And we saw that last week in route to his 122 yards. It was 137-yard run. And it's just it's just a, a really exciting brand because he's got a unique skill set. So that's why it's so much fun to watch. But uh, that's not to sleep on the downfield passing element. It's just not something that they've uncorked a lot of just yet, other than the Torrey Lachlan 60-yarder we had last week, but uh, it's in there, believe me. He's got as strong as his arm as uh, just about any quarterback I've covered since I've been back in my seven years. But right now, it's, it's vision and the burst as a rushing quarterback, and that'll be what teams start to try to take away. And when they do, and, and he's forced to have to throw downfield more, you know what will that look like? But uh, you'll remember him two years ago, guys, when he was this wiry you know, 17-year-old starting quarterback In Waco, He still had a cannon of an arm in that first Big 12 start at Baylor, uh, but everything was overthrown by like 5 or 10 yards. He's gotten so much more accurate. He throws on the run, doesn't have to be balanced, throws across his body. It's not his overall number one strength, but it's in there. So so let's see if if that starts to manifest more as the season unfolds as well.
3: Uh, Let's switch gears here just a little bit and talk about the other side of the ball. Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, joining us is it sustainable to continue to win games 500 yards allowed to West Virginia 446 yards allowed to Houston it's been been don't break to some degree is that sustainable as they get ready after this week to head into Big 12 well head back into Big 12 play I suppose
2: it is if your goal is six wins in a bowl game because uh, you can do that three more times sure uh, if your goal is beyond that, which this team's is, then no. You, you got to be better. You got to start better. You, you can't spot the opposition two touchdowns out the gate like we saw these last two weeks. And you got to clamp down more, force more early punts, all of that. Um, so it's yes and no with this group. But I thought they did get a lot better last week in coming up with big plays, takeaways, whether it was the Kenny Logan interception. Jeremy Robinson had a, a sack, force fumble, fumble recovery all on one play. Uh, Caleb Sampson was big. We, we saw several Jayhawks come up with key stops that got the defense off the field and in a couple of cases got the offense back on the field in opponent territory. You'll recall in Morgantown, we didn't get a stop until the third quarter, unless you count them running out of time at the end of the first half. Um, this time, when you spotted them 14 points, Stops came earlier, including the Kenny Logan INT, which gave KU the ball, you know, inside the red zone. And so to me, that that's great progress right there. And while the yardage totals still need to come down a bit, uh, we're, we're seeing a defense that, that was able to make adjustments and get better quicker and, and turn things around faster within that game. And honestly, I'm excited about our defense because we're seeing the type of rotational depth that we haven't had, which part of that is the scholarship purgatory that we talked about, you know, that, that stemmed from the Charlie Weiss era. And, and then, you know, it's just taken a while to get the numbers up, but then you also have the, the influence of the transfer portal where as they got their numbers more and more caught up, they were catching them up with 21 and 22 year olds. And so the rotational uh, usage of the defensive lineman is as good as we've seen since the orange bowl era keeping legs fresh, having a multitude of guys that can come in and be disrupted. Same with the linebackers, same with the secondary. I mean, there were some really great defensive uh, series out there where Kenny Loken wasn't even on the field on Saturday, and he's supposedly had face to the face of your defense. And so uh, that, to me, shows that we've come a long ways in bolstering the talent around what used to be two or three, you know, prominent pieces, and everybody else was just kind of filling a gap. Now you've got a lot more to work with, and so it'll get better. Uh, it'll also get tougher, Jacob. So to answer your question, yes, it's got to get better. I do think it will get better. But we're also, uh, in the second half of the season, going to go up against some pretty prolific offensive attacks that are going to put a lot more strain on that. And So the hope is that you know, the strides we saw made in Week 3 continue to climb and, and you're more uh, ready and capable to take on some of those challenges in the season's second half.
1: So, Brian, as I'm watching this game on Saturday, the the Jayhawks fell down 14-0 after the first seven minutes or so. But after that time, defensively, they only gave up 16 points and didn't give up a a single point for the rest of the half. And as I'm watching this game, there was a a drive that happened after KU fell down 14-0 where I thought that was kind of the turning point of the game. It was a sustained drive where Jalen Daniels, Andy Nicky, they were able to put together a drive where they were converting on third downs. That's been something that Kansas has been really good at through the first three games in the season, converting on third downs. They were able to do that, push the ball down the field, and give the defense an opportunity to rest a little bit, to make some adjustments. And I think that was really key for them. I I know in years past, we've seen, you know, this, you know, we've seen a Kansas program that has a lot of three and outs. They're not able to get their defense arrested. How important is that for this program moving forward, especially into big 12 play? We know that we know that the offense can have the big play. Torrey Lachlan had a 60 yard touchdown reception, but how important is it to have these kind of long sustained drives to give the defense a break?
2: Yeah, it's huge, and your point's a great one about third downs. I mean, through two weeks, we were number one in the country at 74%. And last week really wasn't that much of a step back. They were 7 out of 12, 58%. And what I loved was one of the early third downs they didn't convert was on a slant to Lawrence Arnold. They hit him in the hands, and he just dropped it. This is when there was rain coming down, and he just didn't make the play. And later in the game, in a similar spot, an even tighter window to throw into Jalen went right back to him in a similar juncture needing the same yardage. And this time he makes a really tough catch in traffic, hangs on, move the chains. Here we go. And so that to me was really impressive. And, and yes, you know, they, they've scored drives on drives that, that have been more, you know, four or five, six minute variety. And I love that because you talk about resting the defense, which is great, but it also, Keeps the opponent offenses off the field; it, it shortens the game a bit. And yet, if you're scoring on more drives than not, you're still going to be north of 40, as they've been every single week. Um, but you're, you're shortening the number of opponent possessions as well by not having nearly as many, you know, three and out or you know, 90 second or less type possessions. So that's been a, a great, great factor. Real quickly to go back to the defense, I, I referenced you know it's going to get tougher personnel wise. I do want to say though that you know, they took Nathaniel Dell, the the all american athletic conference receiver and pretty much shut him down last week a week after bryce ford wheaton had gotten huge numbers against the kansas secondary so they have faced you know some some very capable offensive weapons already i'm just saying some of these overall team challenges are going to get tougher in the season second half when you go to oklahoma and to baylor and that kind of thing but uh what they've beaten to this point is not to be undersold or, or undervalued uh, because hey This is a Houston team that was picked to win 10 games that was 12 and two a year ago in the top 25 the week before we played them and a West Virginia road win that, you know, they're they're still, you know, even though they they struggled out the gate, they darn near beat Pitt in week one and and, uh, many have them as a six win team this year, too. So uh, we've we've accomplished impressive things versus. Very capable teams. I'm just saying that the defensive improvement, back to Jacob's question, will have to continue to climb because you've got some real doozies of, of second half of the season challenges still in front of you.
3: I've got one more question for you, and this is a scenario I want to lay out because I've wondered this, and it kind of started rolling around in my head after the West Virginia win. I think that there is a reasonable chance that Kansas starts this season 5-1 and one or 6-0. and oh. I think there is also a reasonable chance that they lose five or six of the next games. I don't I'm not saying I want that to happen or it could, but it could, because their back half of their Big 12 schedule is loaded. If a scenario like that plays out where they win a ton of games early and lose a ton of games late, what what will that feel like? Because if we would have said that before the season started, of course everyone would have said five, six wins, hell yeah, sign me up for that. But now that it's happening. It, it, the buzz is so high. W- what will that feel like if a scenario like that plays out?
2: Well, let's do the math on your little scenario there, Jacob, because it's it's actually pretty, I don't want to say likely, but it's it's very plausible. How about that? Uh, yeah. let's, let's do the math on that scenario. You said they could win five of their first six or it'll be five and one or, or six and oh, right? Let's, let's say it's five Correct. and one but then they lose five of the next six, meaning they won one of those six. Five plus one equals six, equals postseason, equals first bowl game in 14 years. And so if that's the case, it's kind of like 2008 where they started fast but finished with a win over Mizzou after you know some doldrums there late in the season, did enough – to get to the bowl season and uh you know wound up winning their bowl game you know i think they were a seven win team entering the bowl game won the bowl game for an eight win season and it felt completely different uh even though there, there were some you know twists and turns in there similar uh deal here i mean if, if we open five and one however those those next two wins come in this three game homestand but then you know go through the meat grinder of that schedule that you alluded to but find a way to win in Lubbock or find a way to knock off another team somewhere along the way. So long as they got the six, even if there was a stretch of a four game losing skid, so long as you were competitive in there, the headline is Kansas is in the bowl season for the first time in a decade and a half. And it doesn't matter that, that, uh, you know, things took a downturn in the second half of the year. Then you get that whole extra month of practices. You, you get that good feeling of, of, you know, we finally got this monkey off our back. I mean, there's, there's kids that, that uh, should be in school right now. It's 944, but kids that listened to your show earlier on the drive to school that haven't been alive since the last time we were in a bowl game, and that all that would be taken care of uh, if, if you found a way to six, even if there was a three or a four-game losing skid in the midst of that. So I, I think your scenario is both plausible and something that most Jayhawk fans would sign up for right now. The team wouldn't because they genuinely believe they, they can go out there each week and – and, and beat their opponent and, and finish much, much higher than 6-6. Six six. But uh, if they take care of their business these next three weeks, and by that I mean hold serve more times than not. Win two out of three if possible. Well, then you're sitting there at and 5-1 and and bowl eligibility, even as tough as that back half looks, uh, seems very much within reach. And I like that scenario for Kansas, and uh, I know Lance Leipold's guys would too, so Let's hope that's a, a real hypothetical uh, that, that becomes real, I should say. A real hypothetical would be an a, uh, oxymoron, I guess. But I, ho- I hope your scenario doesn't come true because we'd be busy in December and that'd be the best thing for this program. And just imagine the expectations for 2023 if they got to the bowl season a year ahead of schedule and you had Jalen and all these running backs and, and so much talent coming back next year just think what folks would be saying about Kansas as a, you know, potential, you know, next step forward, eight and four type team in 2023, if they've made the leap all the way to six wins this year.
1: Well, Brian, it starts on Saturday, the the first of three home games going on at uh, Daniel or at uh, David Booth Memorial Stadium. And of course, last year, Kansas played Duke on the road, lost 52 to 33. And uh, you, know, you have to imagine, and I know a lot of people have been talking about it, such a big uh, crowd expected on Saturday uh, in Lawrence. And uh, what should folks be expecting for this game against Duke? I mean, I, we know what the spread is right now. The Jayhawks opened as eight and a half point favorites. But uh, this this scenario that Jacob and you just talked about, it continues on with the final non-conference game of the year for the Jayhawks. So what are some things for fans to be keeping an eye on?
2: Well, this is uh, a Duke team that, like North Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas and Syracuse and Indiana, I believe. I think Indiana is the other one. All these college basketball blue bloods—they're all three and zero right now. So that's that's kind of fun, right? Um, but yeah, they've uh, they've undergone in their last twelve months what we went through a year earlier, and that is the uh, departure of the previous head coach and. Uh, Going through new culture being established, new coach coming in with new messaging and all that, and uh, so they're a year behind, you know, where Lance Leipold is at. But they really like their guy, and and they're off to a great start at three and zero, as I referenced. And you know, they didn't necessarily expect to be three and zero. They sure didn't expect to be ten point underdogs though to Kansas coming to Lawrence. But I think both these teams have, have maybe uh, accomplished more in these first three weeks than than most would have given them credit for. But uh, when we saw them last year and Kansas lost that game um, in, in Durham, that was the last win of the previous coach's tenure. And so Coach Elko hired in the offseason, done a great job with the transfer portal, similar to Lance Leipold, done a great job of, of really getting the, the guys he inherited to buy into what he's selling. And so uh, they'll look a little bit different. Quarterback's going to be different. They got a good run game, really defensively sound defense. Uh, this one, this group, athletically, I don't know if they're as fast as some of the Houston talent we saw, but but they might be coached well enough that they'll be the toughest team yet for us to execute our run offense against. And so I'll be really interested to see, um, you know, how that chess match goes. But the, the guy you got to look for in engineering their offense is Riley Leonard. He's he's the quarterback now, and, and he's a guy that's uh, you know has, has shown akin to Jalen Daniels, he could beat you with his arm or his feet. Last week, um, or actually just uh, just this past week, yeah, 66 rushing yards, two touchdowns, can also air it out against you. They've got a, a great veteran receiver that gave us fits a year ago in Calhoun that just went over 100 yards in the Northwestern game. They, they've got some very talented pieces. And so this is a club that I think Kansas should be confident against, but they, they can't take anything for granted. And they'll just have to look back to last year when we – You know, flashed some some potential early, but the Duke wound up winning it going away. And so I I think this would be another great back and forth football game. But one where, after Kansas kind of won convincingly at Houston, and you heard the rock chalk chant echoing throughout TDECU Stadium with about five minutes to go in regulation, if if Jayhawks play their game and and can be up a score or two late in front of 48,000 at David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium, that could be a pretty raucous atmosphere. Uh, throughout, but, but a pretty big celebration in the game's waning moments. Because just imagine if, if they did win in, in front of a packed booth, uh, considering all that this program has been through the last decade and a half, and you, and you closed out that first month, well, almost closed out the month, at 4-0, uh, you know, what that would feel like. And then think about all the buzz for homecoming the following week. We've got a big, uh, for Wichita fans, thinking about making a full weekend out of it for the Iowa State game. Big homecoming rock chalk block party the Friday night before the Iowa State game. There's a country music artist Chris Lane that's going to be performing, and we'll have a bunch of Jayhawks, including Todd Reezing and Daryl Stuckey up on stage down on Mass Street. Imagine if we're four and zero at that point. Uh, imagine if, if College Game Day is still considering coming at, at at that point. Who knows? But, but that's what's at stake here, if they can close out non con on an upswing and set the stage for a really special homecoming weekend the following weekend. And by the way, that same weekend, I get to come down and see you guys in Wichita for the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame inductions with Roy Williams going in the hall. So can't wait to be there and be a part of that. Not this weekend, but next
3: all right brian haney voice of the jayhawks early kick 11 o'clock wake up even earlier bright and early get your pregame covered right here on kfh uh we're right up against it brian thanks for being with us as always and thanks to the people that help make these weekly visits possible
2: yeah big thanks to the mattress hub they've been sponsoring these reports for years you can find them at mattresshub.com and. They, uh, they got me all hooked up with my latest mattress over the summertime. I initially tried a tempur decided the Purple mattress was the one for me. Don't tell Wyatt Thompson I said that. But if the technology gives you the coolest night's sleep, it's the best back support for me. point is that customer service and their chance to try these things out for 100 days is what helped me land on the best fit for my life so check him out today best selection best customer service you'll find the mattress hub wichita owned and operated right there in wichita guys thanks so much and we'll talk to you next week
3: there goes brian haney 11 o'clock kick pregame before that check it all out on kfh as the jayhawks try to move to four and 0 we'll come back wrap up hour number one on sports daily